Today we're going through uh, and we're going to talk about God's will for our work. And I don't think it's a coincidence that God led me to this sermon series right now. How many of you stayed up last night and couldn't go to bed because you couldn't stop thinking about something that happened at work? Like the Lord wants to talk about work. And it's not something we do so often in church. So often you come into church and we're just focused on the basics, right? We're trying to, we're in a battle between good and evil. And if you haven't noticed, we're losing. We're losing. All the promises of the last generation and the, and the changes in churches did not deliver, right? We said, we'll change the music. We'll change the music. We'll reach people for Christ. We'll have music that they love. That'll get them in. Wrong. Less people come than ever. Love the music, though. It's not the problem. It's not the music. But we thought we'd change the music. We'll be more casual. We'll catch, you know, everybody feels so judged when you wear a tie. We'll take off the tie. That'll get them to come. Wrong. What's the next strategy? We'll be more tolerant. We'll, be, we'll affirm anything. That'll get them in. Wrong. Those churches are done. And they die and dying faster than any of them. We're in a battle of good and evil. There's what God wants to do. There's what Satan wants to do. And so often we get come into church and we're just focused on the basics. Let's try to get them to read the Bible again this week. Let's try to get them to pray again this week. And so we come in and we say, let's read the word. Let's focus. If you want to be spiritually healthy, we need to focus on the word. We need to focus on prayer. We need to focus on these things. And we should be saying that. However, if that's our focus, if our focus is on the get strength enough to do the basics, then you'll always feel weak. If your faith is just trying to get you to be strong to the basics, you won't have the faith that's going to overcome the things that come into your life. And work is one of those things that's it's beyond the first rung, and so we don't talk about it much. We come in, we talk about, let's join a small group, let's pray, let's get in community, let's worship, let's wake up, let's read the word, let's get out of bed, let's do this thing. And so often we encourage you to do those things, but rarely when you come into church do we say, if you want to be spiritually closer to the Lord, do a great job at your work. If you want to be spiritually closer to the Lord, do a great job at work. We'll talk about your relationship with the Lord in church, your relationship with the family, relationship with the neighbors, the friends, the outreach, but rarely do we talk about your relationship with your employer, with your coworkers, with your customers. And isn't that one of the biggest parts of your life? And so we've got to talk about our work because the teaching in Scripture about work is beneficial for everybody, whether you're full-time, whether you're part-time, self-employed, unemployed, retired, just entering the job force, whether you hate your job more than you hate Satan himself, or whether you love your job more than you love the Lord. We need the word of the Lord on work in our life. And I wish that I had been inspired by the teaching on work that is in the scriptures before I ever got out into the workplace. You know, I grew up in church and I didn't really connect. I didn't really want to worship the Lord, but I sat there and I listened. And some of the things I really connect with, even though it took me till I was 20 to really give my heart to the Lord, once I did, I had this great foundation that I found that I just hit the ground running because the church I grew up in was phenomenal. And they sat there and they talked about the importance of reading the Bible. I thought, well, yeah, that makes sense. If that's God's word, then we should read it. They talked about the importance of worship, why God was worthy of our worship. I thought, yeah, that makes sense. If, if God is there, then he would be worthy of worship. I heard God a teaching about finances how the borrower is slave to the lender. And I thought, yeah, that makes sense. 
I should live that way. I, I learned about the importance of choosing a godly spouse, and I thought, yeah, that makes sense. But I must have been asleep or sick the day that they talked about work. Because I've shared before, I, I've had to, I felt called to apologize. I felt led by God to apologize to some of my former employers, to one of my former employers, for the job that I did there. And on that job, it was my job performance. But on my other jobs, I remember one job, it was my attitude. I had a job and I went in and they hired a receptionist who was my age, about the same time. And I walked, I'd walk in and I remember she just had this big smile, happy to be there, happy to have a job. And I'd walk in and, you know, we were like the only two people our age and we'd sit and we'd eat and we'd talk and I'd walk by and I was upset about the conditions that I was working in. And I let her know all the time, poor Nancy. <laughs> we'd get to talking. And was, Boy, this place sure stinks, huh, Nancy? And I remember it wasn't long before that big smile she had would turn to a face of dread when I walked in. It's like it couldn't have been something I said. Yes, I killed her joy. <laughs> I killed her joy. I didn't realize I, you know, I applied the word of the Lord to everything else in my life, but it was like my job and my job performance. I didn't understand how God fit. It felt like work was something that Satan brought into my life, not that God brought into my life. And so today we're going to talk about how important it is to talk about work and what God's will is for our work. Where did work come from? Why is it so hard? How can it be better? And many of us here might feel like I did in some of my jobs. There's maybe not a whole lot in it for me. This is difficult. I'm sick of the conflict. My customers are too demanding. My boss isn't listening. And I remember those days where I would lie in bed on Monday morning and it'd just be so hard to get out of bed to go to work. It's no joke. And I remember when Sarah worked at Best Buy, those tech nerds, I'm telling you, they would pound the five-hour energy to get through the day, these people. I don't know if it's just a nerd thing. Maybe people do that at your work. I know people have always drunk coffee. But like we've needed to step up our game, I guess, as a society, because now we've made the coffee five times stronger. We keep needing more and more and more to try to get through this thing. And I know I've never drank coffee. Love the smell, don't like the taste. But what got me excited and able to go to work was good theology. Good theology. What an interesting concept. It's changed my life. Understanding who God is. You know that song we sing? You are good. I mean, we got to sing that to ourselves every day because Satan every day wants us to think the opposite. Good theology changed my life when I realized God is good. God is good. Satan's bad. Basic stuff, life-changing stuff. And today we're going to talk about good theology about work because that'll change our life. That'll get us through more than five hours. That'll get us through 40 hours. Maybe even a little more. And work can be, frankly, quite awful. And it can be especially irritating and make you feel especially foreign if you're a believer in Jesus Christ who knows the presence of God. You know, the other people at your job who experience that environment they don't know the goodness of God. And those of us who know the Lord, we come to church, we sit in prayer, we're at home with our families, we're doing whatever, and we feel the presence of the Lord. And it's so good. And then we go to our job and it feels so empty. I think it makes it harder because you know what you're missing. And those who love the Lord and hate their job can feel like their relationship with God ends at 
8 a.m. and starts again at 5 p.m. And you get to work and you say, where did the Lord go? Well, you might wonder, why does my work feel so unspiritual? What happened? Yesterday I was in church. I was filled with the presence of God. I was inspired to follow him. And I went to bed this morning and I woke up and it's like it's a different world. Where is he? It might even shake your faith. If God is real, then why don't I feel him here where I need him so much? I remember talking with a fellow who was just the best guy. I got to know him. Just the best guy. This guy homeschooled his kids, loved his family. Their whole life was focused on Christ. He loved being there with his family in the evenings. This guy loved the Lord. He loved church. He loved worship. He was constantly worshiping, constantly listening to worship music, playing it, serving. And I talked to him about this concept, and you could just see his reaction. This man hated his job, and he said, no, I don't believe what you're saying. And essentially, you could just see the reaction of them. Work is evil. And it's the time where I'm with my family that's good. It's my time where I'm in church that's good. And it's the work that's evil. The work isn't God's plan. It's Satan's ploy to keep me from what's important in this life. And I talked to him about his job and it was difficult. But is that true? Is work good or is work bad? Is work something given to us by God or is it Satan's ploy to keep us and distract us from what's really important? And the interesting thing is, is back in the day, way back before the Bible, work was harder then. And it's interesting, it's fascinating to study other religions because all other religions are man's best attempt to explain God. And without the Bible, we'd be stuck with them. The Bible is God's attempt to have a relationship with the people he loves and he created. Instead of us thinking about what God is like, this is God revealing to us what he is like. And before this, the dominant perspective, I think Dave even mentioned it last week, it was called the Enuma Elish. It's the Babylonian uh, sacred text, you know, their Bible. And what they believed and what the world believed, because they were the dominant force in the world and their teachings spread and had influence, was that the gods created human beings to do the work so that they didn't have to, so that they could go off and play. Now, again, it sounds primitive, it sounds dumb, but that's only because we have this. The thing is, is without this, we would still be repeating all of the other stuff. We would still feel that way. Back in the day, they used to do ancestor worship. I had some neighbors move in from Vietnam. Today, now in 2022, I went and visited their temple to try to make a connection to reach them for Christ. You know what I found that they were still doing? Ancestor worship. It's incredible. The people who don't have this are just doomed to repeat Satan's plans. And so here we have the Bible, which has changed our life and our world, and we don't think about it, but the message of the Bible is absolutely revolutionary on work. It's a revelation on work. Before this came along, people felt that the gods created human beings, that the people were essentially slaves to the gods. And that's where work came from. So they, they didn't have to do all this. And they could go off and do what they wanted to. Because if you could choose, wouldn't that be what you do? It actually makes sense. But the Bible creates a different picture when it came on the scene. The Bible presents a God who works himself. Think about how incredible that is. Who wrote this? When you look at the first five books of the Bible, it was Moses. 
Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. And the people on earth felt that they were slaves to the gods. As we're going to look at in Genesis, God's message is different. It's not that God created you to work because he doesn't want to. It's that God himself is a worker. What a revelation. How revolutionary for a group of people who just came out of slavery. And so Psalms 19.1, different places in the Bible, it talks about God's work and creation of, as God's work and of God as a worker. Psalms 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Psalms 8.6 says, You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. Tying out man, you have put all things under his feet. And God didn't just stop the work at creation. God is at work to redeem and restore creation. And we've got a God who does the work. That makes us different than other religions. Again, other religions, man's best idea. Christianity, God telling people about who he is and what he's like. Other religions, for example, Islam, oh yeah, we, we're forgiven. Well, how are we forgiven? Well, God just says it. Well, how do you know? He never showed his work. Islam said, you know, God, is, God loves us. I don't actually know if he even says that. To be honest, let me think about that for a minute. I'm freestyling here. Sometimes I get myself in trouble when I freestyle. Anyway, other religions will say God is, loves us, but how do you know? How has he proved that to you? How did he show his work? In Christianity, we have a God who does the work. God is consistent with his nature. He says he's a worker in Genesis chapter 1, but how do you know? Well, he came to earth and he proved it. John 5.17, Jesus answers them, My father is working until now, and I am working. Jesus did the work. You know God loves you because you can check his work. My kids are doing homeschooling, you know, and my daughter comes out and she's got all these answers. I should have obscured which one it was. I have three daughters, so hopefully you won't be able to tell. But she comes out, she, he, whichever one of my kids it was, came out and they did all of their work. There was perfect, not, nothing wrong on like eight pages. And we said, how do we know you've done this? I said, here, can you do this problem right here? And she couldn't do it. And you know how I knew she couldn't do it? She never showed her work. Turns out she flipped to the end and looked at the answers. Well, my boy did the same thing once. And it was a word question. This is the best. It was a word question. It was like, you know, John goes to the store and he buys five apples. And then he sells two to his friend, blah, blah, blah. And then at the end, he, his answer was, answers may vary. But God says, I'm a worker, as we're going to read in Genesis. And Jesus says, I am too. That's what I'm here to do. And Jesus did the work. You don't have to wonder if God loves you. You can look at the Lord. You can check his work. Look at the suffering he went through on the cross. That's hard work. I can measure the Lord's love for me by what he did. He lived a perfect life in obedience to the Father. He died on the cross for the punishment of my sin. That's brutal work. He overcame death and evil by rising from the grave so that I can have eternal life. I know I'm forgiven. And I know I'm saved. And I know I'm loved because our God is a worker. And as you look at Genesis chapter 1, God's image is that of a worker. 
And we talked about uh, the image of God a few months ago in a sermon series over Christmas. We talked about how in Genesis chapter 1, God's image is that of the creator. He creates everything that there is, the sun, the moon, the stars, the earth, the water, the sea, the air, the birds. Creates all that it is, and then he creates mankind, and he looks at them, and he blesses them with his image, and he says, go forward and multiply. And how the relationship between a man and a woman bears God's image in a unique way that no other relationship does or can, and that that's the relationship which bears the image of the creator. We talked about what it means to bear the image of God, and that's that you can look at someone and you can see an aspect of God in them, like a mirror reflecting the Lord. And it's not just creation that is bears God's image, although I would say that's one of the primary, absolute primary first images, uh, purposes of God's image there in Genesis chapter 1 is that of creation. But there's other aspects of God's image as well. And absolutely in the first chapter or two of Genesis, to be a worker is to bear the image of God. When you see a hard, reliable, dependable worker, you're looking at an aspect of God himself. And God is a worker. Jesus is a worker. And he didn't just do the work of salvation. That work is beyond us. Our salvation is a gift from him. He did work that we can't do. But the Lord wasn't above the work that we do do either. It says in Mark 6, 3, is not this the carpenter? Son of Mary, brother James and Jesus and Jodas, Joseph and uh, all those names. And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. He's a carpenter. Jesus preached and taught and healed for three years. How often do you feel like you spend doing the work of the Lord? Probably not very much. On the weekends, in the evenings, it's kind of my side thing. That's the way it feels. Jesus knows how you feel. He spent three years teaching and preaching healing. He was alive for 30, 33 years. The rest of the time, what did he do? He was a carpenter. Colossians chapter 1, verse 14 and 15 says, All things, or 15 through 17 says, All things were created through him. And here God came to work. And imagine the God who created all things pounding nails into a table, sanding down a chair. That's good work. It's not always enjoyable. My dad used to love to word work. You know what he would make me do for hours? I'd be like, Dad, can I, do, can I do the table saw? No. Can I use the drill? No. Can I? No. And then it'd come time to sand. And he'd be like, here you go. And I would stand out there, little 40-pound me with that power sander. <laughs> for four hours. That thing never gets smooth. The Lord knows what it's like to do hard, difficult work. And he knows what you're going through at your job. Jesus came and he healed people and they got ticked at him. He taught them the word of the Lord and they got ticked at him. What do you think they thought of his tables? I'm sure they didn't like those either. The Lord knows exactly what we go through at work. And even when we don't see it, God's working. And our God does not feel that he's above work. God did not create us to be above work. God did not let Satan ruin our lives by bringing work into it. But work comes as an opportunity to be like him. And if there's one thing the Bible teaches us is that the Bible knows he's at work. Even if we don't see it, he's at work. And we lose sight so fast. In Israel, 
And the nation of Israel is leading them out of Egypt. He leads them out by a cloud of uh, cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. At any time, if you lost confidence in the Lord, you could look up and see it. And what do they do? Constantly. We've lost sight of him again. Why are we out here? Did he just bring us out here to die? Even when we don't see it, he's working. And it's so easy to lose sight of it. Joseph, in, this, in the story of Joseph, he's an excellent worker. He's doing a great job. He gets lied about by a coworker sent to prison. Where is God at Joseph's job, at Joseph's workplace? God, where are you? Why did you allow this to happen? Well, the message of the Bible is even when he don't see it, he's working. What other story could fit right in there if you were big enough to see it? Yours, at your job. God's got a plan. And if we trust him, if we remain faithful, We'll see that he's working. We'll see his work eventually in our lives. The promises of God are for believers. And for those in Israel who remain faithful, they saw the promises of God fulfilled. God's promise to Joseph was fulfilled, even though he went through all that awful, all those awful circumstances. And God's promise to you in your job, in your life, through your job, will be fulfilled if you remain faithful to him. Even when we don't see it, he's working. And work was always a part of God's plan. God's a worker, and we might not see it, but he's always working. So the psalmist in Psalms 90, 16 through 70 says, Let your work be shown to your servants, and your glorious power to their children. Our God is a worker, and we're workers too. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. These people go to work all the time. Back in the day, you didn't get a day off. The slaves, the Babylonians, they didn't get a day off. The Egyptian slaves, they didn't get a day off. The slaves in Israel, they didn't get a day off. They worked constantly. They worked all the time to survive. And here they're talking about how difficult that is. Where are you, Lord, at our work? They're thinking about their work. God, let your work be shown. Let your work be shown. We're out here working. Where are you? Life is hard. This is difficult. God, bless our work. What are we doing here? God's a worker, and he's always intended for us to work. And may he show us what he's doing through our work. And may he show us what he wants us to accomplish through our work. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them in his own image. In Genesis chapter 1, God creates everything, and then he brings it into order. God created a vast expanse, and then he starts ordering it. He separates the day from the night, the darkness from the light, the heavens from the earth, the water from the land. He starts taking this chaos that he's created, and he brings it into order. And that's his image. And then he blesses us with that image. And that's exactly what you do every day at your work. You bring order to the chaos. And every time you do that, people can look at you and they can see God's image. God loves order. He loves it when things work well. And that's God's image. That's the image that he's given us. Genesis chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. 
It says, these are the generations of the heaven and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. When the bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land and there was no man to work the ground. This is before sin. This is before sin ever enters. God's got land. He's got a plan for that land and his plan is to use us. And a mist was going up from the ground and was watering the whole face of the ground. And when the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature, and the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And the tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of the garden, out of, a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. And Genesis 2.15, after describing what he's created, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And so work was always a part of God's plan. In heaven, people wonder what we're going to be doing in heaven. Well, I think what we'll be doing in heaven, you know, when God created the work, the, the earth, he didn't mess up. That wasn't like, you know, version 1.0, and then later on he's going to come with version 2.0. No, that's what God wanted. He created the world the way he wanted it. He created our lives the way he wanted it. He created us the way we wanted it. We have bodies. In, the, in heaven, our bodies are coming back. Why? Because God loves this. This is what he loves. If you don't love your body, you need to know that you're listening to Satan. You don't understand God's love for you because God loves your body. You might not like your hair. You might not like how tall you are, whatever. You can love your body because God loves your body. That's why he gave it to you. God created the thing the way he wanted it to begin with. And one of the things he wanted was work. And those of us who hate our job are sitting there right now thinking like, there's going to be work in heaven? That sounds like hell. You know, there's other people who think what goes on in heaven is hell. Those are the people who don't like to sing and worship the Lord. You know, to, typically, the stereotypical view of heaven <clears throat> is that we get around and we sing forever. And the people who don't like to sing, who are withholding a part of their heart from the Lord, they say, I don't want to sing to the Lord forever. That sounds like hell. Well, there's good news and bad news for everybody, I guess. If you don't like to sing, you better stop withholding your heart from the Lord. You better start learning what it's like to love the Lord, because in, in heaven, when you see the Lord, the first thing that's going to happen is you're going to break forth in rapturous song. Yes, you, when you see his glory. That's how good he is. It'd be good for you to grow spiritually and start doing that now. And I've challenged people who don't like to sing before. I think it's a sign of something spiritual in your life that needs to change, a stronghold of Satan that needs to go away. But if you don't like to work, I got bad news for you. You've got the same thing. We're not just going to sing all day. We're going to have responsibility. And it's going to be good. It's not going to be like it is now. And we're going to talk about that next week. Why is work so terrible if God brought it in? Why does it feel like Satan's ploy if it was always God's plan? We're going to talk about how sin affects our work next week. But this week, just think about that. What you do Monday through Friday is actually not evil. It's not supposed to be torture. It's supposed to be godly. And you'll be doing a form of it forever in heaven. And it'll be fantastic. You'll do it without all of the problems that sin and evil brings. You'll experience all of the joy that God intended when he gave us work of accomplishment, of purpose, of excitement, of responsibility. 
that's going to be a wonderful thing. Sin had not entered yet, and God created work. And then it turns out, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's why the Lord created us, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Before God ever created the world, he said, I want people to do stuff. I don't want them just sitting around. I want them doing things. I want them doing good things. God's got a plan. He said, I want them to do these things. And when we live in faith in Christ and walk in his spirit, we do the things of the Lord, and it's fantastic. And I want more of that in my life. I want to know what the spirit wants for me every second of every day. Lord, what would you have me do? Because when we do the work of the Lord, there's nothing better to be in harmony with God and where he wants and what he does. And we apply this passage to everything. We apply it to reaching people for Christ, spreading the gospel, serving in church, helping the poor, raising our families, disciplining our children. And then it's like we've totally forgot that this, the primary way that this might actually be applied is our Nine to five, every day. Everything was good when God created it, including our work. Work is not a necessary evil, but it's an opportunity to let the image of God shine through us. And our workplaces are certainly the places where God has ordained good work for us to do. And the idea of work might be unspiritual, but when you think about it, if God is the worker and that is his image, and then God has blessed us us with that image, then our work is inherently spiritual. And if we're struggling with God's presence in life, we shouldn't just look to reading our Bible. We should look to that. We should look, but we should look to our work as well. I don't know about you, but when I go to bed and I haven't done a good job in life, At my job, I have a hard time sleeping from that too. When I do a good job, I feel so comforted by his spirit. I don't feel that conviction of the Holy Spirit. I feel his peace. The idea that work might be from God might be new to us, but it might be the way that God most wants to reach you today. It's certainly the place where you spend almost the majority of your time. And in ancient Israel, one of the things that was completely revolutionary, a complete revelation. Again, was not that work is evil and from God, but that work is from God. And they had lots of different words for worship. You could say that you're going to worship in a variety of different ways and words. And you could say that you were going to work in a variety of ways and with a variety of different words. And language is so important because it literally forms our understanding of things. The words we use form our understanding of what we're doing. And because Work is a way to worship God, which is completely foreign to us. Our words are completely separate. We don't have a word that connects both. They did. And it's often the word that Moses uses for work. Work is worship. It's the same word. It's called avodah. It's in Exodus chapter 1, verse 14. And he made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick, and in all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. It's the same word that they use for the worship of the Lord. When talking about the service of priests and people in the temple, they use that same word. It's Second Chronicles 8.14. Do I have Second Chronicles 8.14 up there? Maybe not. I'll just turn to it. Oh, man, you guys are going to see how long it's going to take me to get to Chronicles. 
2 Chronicles 8.14, as he's talking about the work of the priests in the temple, according to the ruling of David, his father, Solomon, he's appointing the divisions of the priests for their service, for their work, for their worship. The job that the priests do is the same word that the job that the people making bricks do. It's both worship. I am so blessed to work in a church. I'm so blessed to sit down and read the word. I'm so blessed. When I sit there and I'm praying for this service and I'm praying for you on Fridays or on Wednesdays and I'm serving the Lord in his house, I'm doing the same thing that you are doing out there. It's no less or no more godly than what you're doing. They use the same word to describe both. If you love church, I'm so glad you're here. That's probably why you are here. You love it. And I want you to know when you go out, just as you love church, just as you worship the Lord at church, you have an opportunity to go out Monday through Friday and do the same thing that we do here right now and worship the Lord through our work. In Israel, these concepts were so connected that when Paul, well, here's another uh, time he uses it. Then the Lord said to Moses, go into Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me. They're making bricks for you. They're avodah, worshiping you. I want them to go out and serve me. I want them to go out and work for me. The word avodah is the word that means both. It means service, worship, and work. And what a revolutionary thing. Exodus chapter 34, verse 21. Six days shall you work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. In plowing time and in harvest, you shall rest. Avodah. Talking about our avodah, our work and our worship. Psalms 97, 7 says, all worshipers of images are put to shame who make their boast in worthless idols. Worship him, all you gods. Here they thought that the gods created us to work, for them, instead, God says, I'm a worker. I want you to work for me. And the, work, the ideas are so connected that Paul says, work for the Lord in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Because when we go to our jobs, the truth is we're not actually working for men. We are worshiping God. I remember I had a job in a, in a distribution center. I don't know. I just needed a job. And uh, I went there. This is before Amazon and everything. And I just, it never really dawned on me much about what we we're doing. All I know is I'd show up and everybody was so miserable. And they had a list. They had like the roster for the day, you know. And everybody would show up at, at 8 a.m. Just so sad and just so dejected. And they'd read off the list. And you had different forklifts that you do to get the boxes on. And, you know, you'd take the boxes and you'd tape them up. And they were filled with stuff. And you'd put them on the shelf. And they'd slide down on a conveyor belt. And the other person would read an order. And they'd put boxes boxes in another box. And it was so many boxes. I've never seen so many boxes in my life. It was so mundane and dehumanizing. It was horrible. And we'd show up for work and they'd say, Johnson taping. Smith on the Komatsu. <laughs> Larry, you got the conveyor. Whatever. And it was just awful. And I'd go and I'd take these boxes. And all I saw was brown boxes all day long. And I'd put them on the shelf. And I sat there. I was so miserable. And I think, where are you, God? What are you doing? I was a new Christian. I was so excited for the Lord. And this was awful. And the only way I could even get through it was I listened to worship music all day long. Thank God I had a job where I could wear headphones. I don't know how I would have made it. And listening to worship music is a phenomenal way to connect with God. But it never occurred to me that God was pleased, not by my singing, but because I was helping people get their stuff 
No, I use a distribution service all the time. Amazon, every, I never go to the store. I don't got time for that. I got kids to raise. I got things to do. I go online to order. It comes to my door fantastic because of people like me. I know how great this is. What a godly, wonderful thing. God is so pleased. God is so pleased at this work. Never occurred to me. On Saturday night, last night, you probably set your alarm. If you're of a certain age, you probably got it out and it's got the two little silver bells on top and the hammer that goes back and forth. If you're a little longer, younger, you got your digital display and you tried to get the hour right and you went past it and had to go completely around again. I pulled mine out and I said, hey, Siri, set my alarm for 8.30 because I got to go worship. I got to go worship the Lord. What a revolutionary concept that tonight when you set your alarm, you can say the same thing. You got the same thing going on tomorrow as you did today. That's why good theology changes our lives. My kids, you know, I have a state, my, Sarah's blessed to be a stay-at-home mom. My kids come to me and say, Papa, every time I go to work, Papa, why do you got to go to work every day? I usually give them an answer like Kevin Arnold's dad on the Wonder Years. Somebody's got to go to work to pay for all these kids. <laughs> I could say the same thing to them. You know, I got to go worship the Lord. Papa's got to go to work because it's time for me to go worship. And our work is not unspiritual. Our work is a way to worship God. And the church, we want your work. We call you up so often. We say, we need help. We need to replace the soffits. We got to frame in the children's area. We need somebody to do the ushers, somebody to do the community. We need somebody to do the sound, somebody to record the thing. We need somebody to help in children's ministry. We need your work. And so often we talk about the mission of God. For you to do the mission of God, you've got to come in. You've got to serve. You've got to be in children's. You've got to do the thing. Nobody's going to see the thing online. We need your work for our mission. And we've never said, I don't think we ever said before, for our mission, we need you to go out and do a great job tomorrow for God's mission. We need you to go out and do a great job at work tomorrow. And that's not easy. So we're going to keep talking about it in this sermon series. And it's not easy. Some of you have been staying awake at night this week because of things that are going on at your job. And work is good, but Satan's evil. And we've got an enemy to overcome. And that's going to take prayer. And so today we're going to give us an offer to, to those who want to pray for their job. In faith, John 6, 29 says, Jesus answered him, this is the work of God that you believe in whom he has sent. To do the work of the Lord, we've got to do it in faith. And we've got to include the Lord in our work. And we've got to pray that he will come and that he will cleanse our job, cleanse our workplaces, bless us, keep us from the enemy so that we can do his work Monday 9 to 5. And we're going to have an opportunity for you to come up and pray. If we could have members of the prayer team who'd like to come up front and be volunteer to be those who pray for others. If we have elders who'd like to come up front and pray, uh, if you want to make your way forward at this time, we'll just have them lined up. And if the worship team would like to come forward, uh, we're going to begin to worship the Lord again. And as this next song goes on, if you have something that you want to pray about at your job, I want to invite you to come forward and pray. Our God is at work. And if we pray, the more we pray, the more we'll include him in ours. Let's pray.